cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope. All right, canteeners, welcome back to Culper's Canteen Cup is episode 54. And man, we're more excited probably than you guys are. I know some of you have been messaging me, blowing up my phone, blowing up Josh's phone, blowing up Roger's phone. When y'all going to come out with another episode? Well, Josh was on vacation. We're not going to bag on him too much. Well, Roger will, but I won't. And we're really excited to be back, man. It's, it's good to see these these two other ugly pusses right in front of me, but I'm excited, man. I'm excited tonight. It's late here, but we're ready to go, man. You know, a lot, so much has happened since our last episode. It's been almost like a month, man. It's been almost a month, and we got some catching up to do because we did 53 in year one, and we're at 54 now, and we're we're running behind. We're going to catch up with you guys. But I'll tell you what, you know, if you look at our cover art <laughs> that I designed <laughs> on Saturday, it is now, what is it? It's Wednesday, I think. Uh, it's Wednesday for me. Uh, we had Joe Biden and we had, you know, uh, the burning constitution and stuff like that. Because on Saturday, it was it was the Joe Biden show. But man, so much has happened since Saturday. So we're going to have to kick off with Joe Biden. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of hay has been made, Josh, about, you know, no amendment is absolute. Right. We talked about this right before the show started, before Roger came on and everything. And there is an argument to be made for no amendment is absolute. You know, why do we have a Supreme Court? You know, why do we have all these rulings and things like that? There is an argument to be made. But let me ask you, Josh, no amendment is absolute. So does that include uh, let me just off the top of my head. Does that include the 13th Amendment, Josh? I mean, because the 13th Amendment, that that one seems kind of absolute to me. What do you think? Yeah. So, you know, for for those who for those who may not have seen it. So Joe Biden came out, you know, with some gun, some gun control rhetoric. Uh, He didn't sign an executive order. You know, he didn't, you know, Congress didn't pass any new laws or anything like that. But he came out and was like, you know, this is my this is my stance. And this is what I think should happen as far as, you know, background checks and and these so-called ghost guns which are just 80% guns. Um, and, you know, he everything he said was factually incorrect. The majority of crimes are not committed with yep. ghost guns. Uh, when you look at it, you cannot... I, anybody who thinks that they can buy a firearm at a gun show, inside the gun show, without having a background check, I challenge you to find your nearest gun show, go there and attempt that. Just do that. Legally, legally. Legally buy one. Yeah. Go try and legally purchase a firearm from a gun show without having a background check done. Uh, I, you can't even order a firearm off the internet without it, going, it being shipped to an FFL, right? So you know, everything he said was factually incorrect, but in his statement, he said the Second Amendment is not absolute. No amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Okay, so he so he said two things there. To me, the way I interpreted that was he said the Second Amendment is not absolute. And then he doubled down by saying no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Okay, so that's a really bold statement. And like you said, there is some room for, you know, debate on, you know, whether amendments are absolute when it comes to amendments like the Second Amendment. Even, you know, and I, we were talking about before, even Scalia you know, said, hey, the, the Second Amendment is not absolute. And I think most folks understand that. And people, we, we can debate that. But I think when you start talking about the 13th Amendment 
And for those of you who don't know, the 13th Amendment, the whole abolish slavery thing. Now, if you want to start talking about, well, okay, so that's not absolute. So, so please tell me, Joe Biden, when is slavery acceptable? What, you know, what discussion are you willing, are you willing to have when you say no constitutional amendment is absolute? So let's talk the 13th Amendment. What about the 19th Amendment? Women, do you, you get a vote? Are we gonna are we gonna go back and curtail that? Are we gonna open up that that debate again whether women should vote? What about the Sixteenth Amendment? If, if amendments are not absolute, then hey, guess what? I'm gonna go ahead and decide I'm not paying taxes. So if it's not absolute, then no amendment is absolute. I don't have to pay taxes. That's why my mother-in-law subscribes to that one right there. <laughs> so, Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. It was. I mean that. People say, well, he was talking about the Second Amendment. No, he wasn't. He was talking about the Second Amendment when he said the Second Amendment is not absolute. And then he was talking about all the amendments when he said no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. People are trying to give him a pass on it. But when Trump said things, everybody was like, no, that was literally what he meant. That's what he meant. Joe Biden says things and they're like, ah, that's not what he meant. Um, It's that should, you know, again, I try not to be a black helicopter guy, but that should that should bother people. That should really worry people when, you know, your president starts saying, well, no constitutional amendment is absolute. And, they, you know, and we, and we start going down that road. It, it doesn't go anywhere good. And I think it just it's such a bad tone. Um, not that Joe Biden could set a better tone because that guy is such a disaster. So, Roger, what was uh, what was your take on all that? You know, it's there's a reason why he's doing it by executive order, right? I mean, he's he's not going to get the support. And and what pisses me off is there are actually ways to do this. So let me clarify a little bit about what Josh was saying with the because I'm going to talk about the gun show loophole because it's pretty big out here in Arizona. So when you go to a gun show, at least everyone I've been to, and the biggest ones that, that are out here, I think the Crossroads of the West is like the biggest one west of the Mississippi or whatever. So you basically got like I don't know 500 vendors in there. So every vendor in there has to have an FFL, okay? That, that's just, that's the way it is. To buy a weapon, you got to do a background check, and, and, and there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. My boy learned firsthand um, when he bought his first AR-15, and, and they did his background check right there. And I'm like, oh, see, they're, they're, you, you, there's no way around that. Where the loophole comes in is where an individual goes into the gun show and sells his or her individual weapon okay now at that point it's not the fact that he went to a gun show to go sell it and the loophole is at the gun show because i can hold that same transaction on the street the reason why that individual is at the gun show because guess what people that are prone to buying guns are going to be at the gun show so that's what they're doing right and that's what they're trying to close that loophole because theoretically if i run into josh at the at the gun show and i'm there and i have my glock you know on me or whatever i could sell that to him directly right there and not have to go through a background check now, most people I know wouldn't do that, first of all, uh, unless it's somebody you know really well. And the other piece of that is, I would say, and you know, I'm not around every single transaction, there aren't a whole lot of weapons that are sold that way. And really, I think from what I've read, you know, that loophole was built because Josh dies, Nicole's got all his guns, and she's just trying to get rid of them. And most states, they say, hey, you can sell like up to four guns a year without being classified as a vendor or whatever it is or whatever the numbers. It's not a, it's not a whole lot. So it's not somebody's just pumping weapons out there and selling this stuff without, uh, without the licensing or the background check. What kills me about it is, and they're smarter than this, there's definitely a way around this because I would tell you this, 
I wouldn't have an issue with making background checks a requirement for individual sales. And if you word it right, you could actually get the gun stores uh, involved in it and they would back you because, you know, the way they word it right now, it's like, oh, you need to have a background check in the FBI and the DOJ and fingerprints. And so it's just like, all you think of is bureaucracy, big brother. They just want to put me on a registry. That's what they want to do. But if they would actually play around with the words and say, hey, we really want to close this loophole. So gun store owners, this is what we want to do. Um, You guys can run the background check charge a service for it, charge a fee for it. And if I want to sell a weapon to Josh, hey, all we say is that you go down to your local Yoko gun store, go ahead and pay your $25 fee to the gun store owner. So he's going to make some cha- you know, cash on it. What else is the gun store owner getting? He's getting two more people to come in his store. How many people walk into a gun store and never buy anything? Okay, I'm going to sell Josh a gun. And guess what? He's going to buy a holster. He's going to buy some ammo and he's going to buy all his patches and all the other cool shit, right? So if you word it right and try to make it take the, you know, big government overreach out of this thing, you would have gun store owners like, yeah, I absolutely support this bill because I want everybody in my town to come into my gun shop. And then there you go. But you go back to what, you know, Josh was talking about with everything that he said. I mean, he was full of poop, even with the examples that he, that he gave out. They were full of poop because guess what? Two of the examples that he gave out popped on the red flag. They were reported to the FBI, and they failed to act. And oh, by the way, the third one was stolen. So you know what? I mean, the background checks had nothing to do with any of that stuff. But I think the, I think the bigger picture of all this, and, you're, and I know this is a transition away from the, this piece here, because I, I think that that whole thing's a train wreck, and to be honest with you, I don't know it actually goes anywhere. I don't even know if they, he came out there and he made his little speech. I mean, half the time he's like, I think he just makes shit up. I mean, between him and Saki, I mean, well, Saki's just straight incompetent. I, at this point now, she's just straight incompetent, and that's why they have her out there, because you just don't hold her accountable for anything that she says. But with, with Joe Biden, he just gets out there, and it's Grandpa Joe, man. He just makes it up, spitballs it, and it's kind of like, eh, why? it so i don't know anything ever happens but what's more interesting is due to and and this ties in with covid and all the governors and emergency actions and this and that i mean are you guys tracking like the different states where the legislatures are actually overriding the governors they're actually creating laws saying hey you know what there's too much uh governor power here because i think in michigan what they've been under like emergency proclamation for i mean hell like 16 months now right I mean, it's kind of like being in threat con delta. You can only do like four hours at a time because it just that becomes the new normal. Uh, so you're no wonder, you know, no longer under this this, this emergency proclamation. Or so now you're starting to see a lot of these states, and I think Iowa was one. Uh, I think Kansas, if I'm not mistaken, Kansas actually passed the mass man or the governor instituted a mass mandate, and the legislature came right behind her like an hour later and said, "Nope, overridden." And I love it. I love it. And we talk about that rubber band, you know, how you continue to pull left, you continue to pull it to the left, but it does snap back to the center. And I think what you're starting to see, and I love this thing, you're starting to see that because, uh, you know, especially out here in Arizona, and and I think in the rural areas, you're a lot more in touch with your local leaders and uh, your your electorate and this and that, just because of the way that the community is built. But there does feel to be more of a a representation of the people. Uh, especially when you look at your state legislatures being able to override what the governor, you know, uh, puts out there. It's, you know, it is true. Like, I, I do believe I see a power to the people. And, and the last thing I'll say to take it back to the two-way before I kick it back to Luke, in my opinion, I, I mean, they're, they're playing their cards all wrong. It's like my, my son is 18 years old, right? He gives two shits about politics, just like the rest of us. I mean, we know what we were doing when we were 18 years old. Uh, so he care less about politics at all. 
And I couldn't tell you that he's watched, you know, Fox News or any other news network for more than probably 42 seconds at, at one time before saying, peace out, and I'm out of here. When Joe Biden came on there with the executive orders for 2A, uh, he sat there the whole thing and watched it. And during, while he was watching it, and again, this is not a kid who watches the news every day, right? Uh, or watches the news cycle or anything like that. He, he's watching, he's like, Dad, that's not true. I mean, he had just bought his first AR-15 not too long. He's like, Dad, that's not true. Dad, what about this? What about? And so he sat there and watched the whole thing. And so I guess I should say thank you, Joe Biden, because you've probably made a uh, lifelong uh, you know, conservative out of my boy because now he's actually, I don't want to say involved, but he's more in tune to what's going on. Like, yeah, so I'm not putting that guy back in office next time. You know, I'm not voting for Kamala Harris, I, you know, because what's important to him is his, his gun rights at this age. And so I tell you, it's uh, I think this may backfire on him a little bit. I mean, maybe not. I could be wrong. I mean, maybe it's just where we're at out here in Arizona. But it, it was pretty interesting. And to me, it was uh, it was very powerful seeing his speech. Uh, you know, I don't know how it resonated with everyone else, but I know at least with my boy, it got him more uh, in tune to what's going on, you know, with, with the Second Amendment. Well, I'll tell you, just 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 because he wants gun rights doesn't make him a conservative. You know, I mean, Marx was pretty big sure. on. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it, not against your son. I'm just saying that if someone is a pure leftist like Marxist, uh, you know, they should be for gun rights. They should be for the workers or whoever being armed. So the, the first time a leftist who is a self-proclaimed Marxist comes to me and says, Oh, you know, I'm against, you know, uh, the, the workers or the citizens' rights to bear arms. I'm like, well, you don't know what the hell you're talking about then. Because, I mean, Mark said it himself. I don't have the quote in front of me, but Josh is nodding his head. He knows. I mean, Marx is all about the workers, a.k.a. the citizens, being armed for the same reasons that, uh, you know, a conservative would be. It's like, dude, you, you well, whatever. We're not going to go down that road. Maybe we'll do a Second Amendment uh, one later on the later uh, later on the in the series here, but let's talk about real quick. Uh, let's talk about, I think his name is Dwayne Wright. Okay. The guy that was, uh, the, the poor kid that was shot in, uh, in Minneapolis and this, I will kind of dovetail into the, into the, uh, second amendment, uh, stuff here, the way I understand this case and Josh will delve into it a little bit more with the, with the uh, female police officer who shot him, uh, basically dead. The guy was uh, had an outstanding warrant for a firearm. Uh, uh, he, he he it was a firearms charge. He had an unregistered firearm. Okay, it was a uh, I think a Ruger uh, uh, 357 maybe I don't know, but he illegally owned this firearm. So, you know, we we can talk about the ins and outs all day of regulations and all this stuff and what you have to do and was it legally owned or not. But I mean, Josh, I mean, come on, man. What does the Second Amendment say? Shall not be infringed, right? So this kid who had an, I'm putting up the air quotes, an illegal firearm, and he probably ran away from the police. He, he escaped on foot, which is a misdemeanor. Both of those are misdemeanors. So this guy had a misdemeanor charge, warrant out for his arrest. Uh, when they pulled this kid over in Minnesota, outside of Minneapolis, I think, uh, he had an outstanding warrant, and that's what led to his death. Now, I'm not going to get into what I think about his death. I, I think that, uh, man, we can get into that a lot more, and we can go all the way back to George Floyd and all this stuff. But the guy's initial charge was a weapons charge. Now, I don't, I don't have all the information in front of me, but shall not be infringed, and he had two misdemeanor warrants, misdemeanor warrants. And now this guy is dead 
because of a of a, a huge mistake on the part of this police officer. Now I'm going to throw it to Josh. It's a, it's a tough question, man. I mean, what do you think about all this? Let let's. I, I would ask you to stay away from. I would ask you before you before you start responding to this to stay away from. Don't resist the police. I mean, we can get into that a little bit later, but and that's going to make it difficult for you because you're smiling right now. But I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, this kid, in my opinion, I said the same thing about George Floyd before all the facts came out. The guy, the kid, should still be alive, in my opinion. I think it's an unnecessary death, absolutely unnecessary. But I'm going to kick it to you, get your thoughts on it. Maybe I'm all misguided. Maybe I'm all left up. I don't know. No, you're you're not misguided or all left up. Um, so I want you know. So I saw the you know I saw the news, just the real quick you know headline headline you know, and it was actually from the governor. Uh, you know, came out and was like, I can't believe you know another another black person is, you know, dead at the hands of police or something like that. And it was like, holy Jesus, right? When your governor is putting that out, like you're, you're not helping the situation. But so I didn't know what happened. Okay. So, all right, somebody got shot. And so, you know, I, I pulled up the story and started reading it, pulled up a couple of different sources and then finally got, you know, saw the video. Um, yeah, that, that dude, warrant, no warrant, whatever. Like that dude should still be alive. He should not be dead because, you have a police officer, and it was like it, it, she wasn't new. She was like a twenty-something year yeah. veteran, twenty-five, twenty-six years veteran that went to. And she even t- you can hear her say "taser" twice, which is that's standard SOP for for police officers. I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine that are currently act police officers on major police forces in the in the U.S. And they're like, yeah. They're like, we, when you deploy the taser, you're generally, you're supposed to say it three times, taser, taser, taser. And that lets everybody know, hey, I'm deploying a taser. That lets your partner, if you have one, know, hey, get your hands off the suspect um, or you're going to ride the lightning too, you know. And so, but in the video, like, as she's saying taser, like, she's pushing her Glock, like, you know, straight at this dude and pops him. And it's just like, you know, taser, taser, blammo. And you're like, whoa. Like, that's not your taser. And so I, you have a 20-something-year veteran who I don't know how many, you know, I don't know how many high-octane situations she's been in, but I don't see how a trained individual can mistake an 8-ounce taser with, you know, like a 2.5-pound fully loaded pistol. Because your taser... You know, talking to some of my police buddies, it's cross-draw on your non-dominant side for a reason, right? You, I mean, it is a conscious effort to pull that taser. It's cheap. That, it, it's you know, tough. I 100% it's, agree it, with Luke. She, dude it, should not be dead. But it's tough, right? It's tough. Uh, you know, and she's absolutely negligent. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but she's absolutely negligent. No yep. doubt. No doubt. Yep. But it, it's tough to be a police officer in those types of situations, 25 year vet or whatever. It's like how many stressful positions. I, I'm not making excuses for her. I am not doing that. But I am saying I'll say it again. The guy should still be alive. But I don't I don't want to downplay because I know we have some police officers and, and law enforcement listen to this. It's just, man you're responsible. That is your sidearm. You're responsible for what comes out of it, period, period. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, it's it's a tough. I'm not downplaying police officers and what they do. It's just, man, they have to take it very seriously, you know. And I, it's a it's a horrible situation. The kids should still be alive, and that woman, uh, the female police officer, she is going to pay for that. She's going to pay for it, man. And you know, I I I'm not going to say I'm empathetic, but it's tough, man. Being a police officer is a tough job. And police officers understand that, but the the populace, the public needs to understand it too. And maybe we can dovetail. I don't know what Roger has to say, but we can dovetail into you know the citizens' responsibility to the police officers. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I know you cut Josh off. So, Josh, do you have anything else to add to that, or are you good? <laughs> no, I, no, Luke didn't come out. It's fine. I, he's Luke is one hundred percent correct. It's you know that guy should. That guy should be alive, but it is. It's very difficult to be a police officer, you know. I mean, you think about how many situations that we've been in where, dude, you get that first jolt of adrenaline, and normally for us, you get that first jolt of adrenaline, and then it, you know, it automatically levels out, and you're like, okay, your training kicks in. I know what to do. I'm just, I'm at that point. You, I won't say you're on autopilot, but you know what I'm saying. You know, for her, she got that, she got that jolt of adrenaline, and for whatever reason, you know, she. She panicked. That's all it was. You can hear it in her voice when she's yelling taser. Like, you you can hear it in her voice. And, you know, at the end of the day, police officers have to make split-second decisions, life-or-death situations every day. And that one that one went wrong. That's how, you know, it's, you know, I agree with Luke. The police officers have a very, very difficult job. But this is another important point is that when we talk about cutting funding to police departments, the last thing you want to cut is funding to police departments because funding pays for training. And the less trained officers you have out there, the more situations like this that you're going to deal with. Um, so that's a, yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Uh, get, uh, get Roger. No, I know she's come out and said that she it was an it was a mistake it was an accident or whatever i mean do we know anything like you know was her was her taser on the opposite side you know from her dominant dominant hand anything like that i mean because that was the first thing i heard when i heard accident i was like and again i am no police expert and i get it there's there's some variance depending on where you go but like everybody i've ever talked to was always like yeah your taser is on your weak side you know for that reason because it's going to be to go draw you know, you're weapon to do what you, what you got to do. So it makes you wonder, it's like, and I don't, I don't know anything about her and I don't really know anything about the kid. Um, I agree with Luke, you know, it's the, uh, he should be alive. And even more so, I agree that the police officer is responsible for every run, every round that comes out of that weapon, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, it just makes me wonder, you know, it's very hard for me to believe. And I'm not, uh, saying that he, that she did it intentionally or this and that. It's, just, it's very hard for me to buy that it's an accident when we're not talking about somebody who's been on the force for 12 months. Uh, I think it was actually like 26 years or 28 years or something like that. I mean, and tasers have been around for a while. So I'm assuming she's probably had a taser for over a decade and gone through more than one training session. Um, so, you know, I don't want to get too far down that road, but it's just very difficult for me to, to chalk it up to an accident or a negligent, dis, a negligent discharge. The what this has done though, and I watched the news conference. And I was texting you guys this the day that they they did their first news conference, and it was a train wreck. They were all over the place. The police chief came out, did his little piece, who's since resigned, uh, and then he was gone. And then the media was looking for him, and the police officer she's resigned. It hasn't been accepted yet. Uh, they may obviously keep her on the force for for uh, you know disciplinary reasons or whatever. But 
the city manager was on there, the mayor was on there, and I thought the city manager, and this is this is what should concern everybody, okay, remove, uh, remove what actually happened in the incident itself, but because it's two, it's, it's two separate incidents. The city manager came out when they were like, ah, she should be fired, yada, yada, yada. And he basically said, hey, look, due process. It's like, due process, it's under investigation, let it run its course, and whatever happens from that is what, what's going to happen from that. And um, I guess going back to uh, you know the amendments, I guess you get to kind of pick and choose which constitutional amendments you apply and which ones you follow and, and, and not. Uh, but going back to like the 14th Amendment, it's like, hey, man, everybody's you know, afforded the opportunity of due process. And I thought he gave a, about the best answer that you could possibly give in that situation. Okay. So he has since been fired by the mayor for that. That should scare the shit out of everybody. Okay, because beyond whether she's right or wrong, and, and I tell you up front, any police officer, any shooting, whatever, arrest the individual, try him. If they're convicted, hey, man, put her in prison for the rest of her life. I don't care. You know, whatever that, that punishment's supposed to be, I mean, whatever. If she's innocent, let her go. Uh, but everybody's afforded that right to due process. And with the mayor firing the city manager, you know, I, I think it happened today, so basically that mayor doesn't support due process. He's not supportive of the 14th Amendment. So at that point, so we're just going to start convicting people based on what the media thinks, right? We're going to go ahead and just convict people based on what social media says. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and convict people based on emotions. You know, you always try to, and especially us, we've been around this long enough that, you know, you never go to the mom or the dad or whatever because it's going to be highly emotional and there's no answer you're going to give that is going to appeal to that, that sense of loss, Right. Uh, or not even a sense of loss, but to the loss itself. But to not to, to actually come out there and say, hey, we're going to investigate this, let due process take its course, and then for them to say, screw it, an elected official to say that, and then go ahead and fire them, that's the bigger issue at hand here. Uh, whatever's going to happen to her, whatever it is, what it is, but it sets precedent, right? It sets precedent on, okay, what happens when something else happens? Are we just going to fire them, you know, right off the bat? Take it a step farther. When, where does the disciplinary action stop then? I mean, if you can fire them based off that, take disciplinary actions, I mean, can you put them in jail, right? I mean, they say, you, you think it's so far off and so far-fetched, uh, but you just have a man, and I get it, there was a loss of life, but you just had another man, who I'm assuming he's probably married, kids and this and that, was fired for saying, hey, look, 14th Amendment, you know, grants everybody the right to, you know, trial, judge and jury, and, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to go that route. And so I, I think that's the bigger issue there, um, which kind of takes us to, you know, and you guys can chime in on it if you want to, but there is a... There is no one solution for this. You know, they talk about police reform and this, and, and everybody tries to come up with a silver bullet. And the reality is there is no one solution for it. There are several different facets to, you know, the, the solution. I won't even say police reform because it, some of it doesn't even involve that. One piece is what Luke brought up, you know, to begin with is compliance. When you look at what happened with the, uh, that second Lieutenant Nazario or whatever, I mean, at what that dude, and I don't know what he was pulled over for. Okay. I don't know all the ins and outs of the story, but. At what point, especially being an officer in the Army, I mean, compliance. Do what the cop tells you. Because this is what I tell my son. I tell him all the time. I'm like, look, do what the cop tells you. If he drags your ass out of the car and beats you or whatever, it's like, don't worry. We'll be living in the $10 million house pretty soon. There are processes to handle that. But comply, right? You do what you have to do to get out of the, the, you know, the situation safely. 
uh, and you just do what you have to do. And, and at what point, because, you know, they talk about de-escalation, and it's funny because when you talk about de-escalation, you're already talking about the fact that it's, the situation has been escalated. And so to me, it's like, well, how do you prevent this situation from becoming escalated? Well, that comes back on the individual nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, 999 times out of 1,000 with compliance. Generally speaking, from everything I've seen and I've witnessed, if there's compliance, it doesn't get escalated, right? It never comes to that point. So then you never have to de-escalate that. And then from there, you know, that's, that's obviously piece one. And then from there, I think you take it to obviously police training, um, and then, you know, possibly de-escalation if, if, you know, somebody's cracked out or, or whatever. But it goes back to what Josh said as well. When you talk about defunding the police, that's the first thing you cut. They're cutting the training. But I would tell you, I think the training and all, of, you know, the quote-unquote reform, uh, I think all that stuff is, uh, that's kind of like your second step. Your first is like, as a society, man, I, mean, I don't know what people teach their kids. And if I was that dude's chain of command, I would be in his ass. I'm like, and you, I mean, I, the video that I did watch, it's clear. I mean, the guy resists arrest. I mean, throughout the entire piece of that, throughout the entire altercation, he resists arrest. Now, whether he was pulled over or not, you know, with, you know and it was justified or again, it's, it's a different situation. Uh, it's a different incident. And at that point, if, it, if he was, ra- you know, a cop was racial profiling or whatever, I will be driving my Ferrari the next day. You know, there's, there's ways to handle that. So I don't know, Luke, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I sent you guys a video uh, uh, long before the podcast. This is a long video, and uh, our boy Scott sent me that, and uh, I hadn't seen that video yet. Uh, you know, I, I knew the surface level before I watched the video, and there's an African-American guy. He has a podcast. I wish I knew his name. I don't know his name offhand, and he dissects it. He's a former cop. He's been on the Tim Pool show, and he dissects the entire situation. And this second lieutenant, you said his name is Rosario. Uh, I didn't pay attention to the name too much. I, I more paid attention to the uniform and the rank. And uh, basically, uh, the cops, this guy, uh, he probably PCS'd from somewhere. He's probably straight out of Bolick. He PCS somewhere, and he didn't have the correct registration on his rear license plate. That's why uh, they, they stopped him. That, that's at least what I saw. Josh is nodding his head no. I don't know. But he didn't have the correct plates, basically, on his car. So the cops uh, flipped on their lights, and the guy did not pull over. Uh, They followed him a mile and a half. And I'll get into this in a second. (laughs) They followed him a mile and a half. This kid's probably 22, 23 years old. They followed him a mile and a half. This guy... Like you said, he I, I wouldn't say he's actively res- resisting is not the right word. He was not being compliant, to use Roger's words. This guy took time to set up his little iPhone or whatever recorder and record the entire thing. He was obviously, from his point of view, not the cops, from his point of view, he was not complying at all. This guy wanted to be an Internet star. He wanted to, to, to show his little story. And he ended up paying the price for it. And gosh, I mean, I, I want to go down this road so bad. I mean, Roger said it. He, he, he said, I think, uh, a few seconds ago, a few minutes ago or so, he had the talk with his son. And the African-American community right now, they're not, not the community. I shouldn't say that. The woke community is trying, has been trying to make this a talking point. Well, the African-American community has to have, have, I think it started with Obama. I had to have the talk, the talk with my son about how to handle police. Guess what, kids? 
my dad, I'm a white, you know, middle class male, heterosexual, by the way, in case y'all didn't know, <laughs> I'm announcing that to the audience, keeping myself, you know, firmly. Anyway, my dad had that talk with me very early on before I got my license. It's like, whatever the cops do, you do it. It doesn't matter if you think you weren't doing anything wrong. They have a gun. You don't. You comply with them. And, get you know, my dad didn't have this portion of the talk with me like Roger did with his son. But it's like, and if, because I don't think litigation existed back then like it does now. But it, he didn't have the talk of, like, you know, you, we can take the police department to court or whatever. It's just like you comply. You comply. If you were breaking the law, it, you know, that, that, will, that will come out and you'll get a ticket. If not... Everything will work out. It was a different time back then. It's a different time now. This kid was trying to make himself an internet star. The fact he had his uniform on at 10 o'clock, 2200, on a Saturday night, I have no idea. Maybe he got off staff duty. I don't know. But, you know, why he, I don't know. This kid, obviously, watch the whole video. He's trying to make himself a star. He was not complying. The cops were worked up because he wouldn't pull over. It's like, God, you know, I feel like I'm wasting my breath by saying this, but when I see the lights in my rearview mirror, I pull over first chance I get, first chance I get, because I'm trying to avoid trouble. And if I pulled over in the wrong spot, the cops will tell me that. Now, this kid didn't even try to call 911. He didn't even try to call 911 on that mile and a half going 45 miles an hour. That's over two and a half minutes. Before he pulled over, he could have called 911 and said, hey, look, these cops are trying to pull. He didn't do that. He was trying to make himself a star. And in my opinion, kid deserved to be pepper sprayed. In my opinion, watching the whole video, whatever, just comply with the cops. If you would have just done what Roger tells his son to do and what my dad told me to do back in the day, you'd be fine regardless of your skin color. It's just, it's so frustrating, Josh. It's it's so incredibly frustrating. And we're, I think we're scratched around the surface of the deeper issue. Roger said we live in a society. He didn't say we live in a society, but we do. We live in a society and society is breaking down right now. And maybe around the horn, we can talk about why society is breaking down, but I'll give you a, I'll give you behind the curtain on me. It's the breakdown of the nuclear family, man. That's it. That's it. Dads don't talk to their kids about this stuff. This kid should have known better. He's going to YouTube and Twitter and TikTok and Instagram to try to make himself a star, going on with social justice warrior stuff. He got pepper sprayed and he got his wish. It's just unfortunate he's a second lieutenant, for me at least. I mean, that, that makes me ashamed. I don't know. I'm with Roger, man. It's chain of command. Here's I'm with Roger. It's chain of command. Get in his, just get all up in his business. But they won't. They won't. You know why? Because this guy is an SJW star right now. No one wants to get canceled. Right, Josh? I don't know. Yeah. So a couple of the details on that on that case, right? So he was driving a newly purchased Tahoe. He did not have... It wasn't that he didn't have the correct registration on his plate. There was no visible plate period on the vehicle because the temporary tag was on the inside of the back window, and the windows were super tinted. So here's a police officer, and it's, so this happened just west of Norfolk, a couple miles west of Norfolk, right? So anybody, go ahead and, and, and go to the FBI's website, go to the, uh, the town of Norfolk, take a look at their crime rates, 
take a look at the crime crime rates around Norfolk, and then put yourself in a police officer's shoes. You're stopping a heavily tinted black, you know, SUV with no license plate on, I want to say a deserted road, but a less traveled road. And you throw the, you know, you throw the lights and, and sirens on and this vehicle does not pull over. Yeah, they put their flashers on and they slow down. They drive 45 miles an hour for another couple of miles. How are you approaching that vehicle? How are you going to, how are you going to react to that? And so... They're saying that, well, they saw it when they were already, you know, when they were approaching the driver's side of the vehicle, then that's when they could see the temporary tag in the back window after it had already pulled into the gas station and under some bright lights. That's fine. But at that point, I'm already I'm already on course and conducting a high threat traffic stop. And, you know, with the compliance thing, it's dude, pull over like Luke said, pull over to the side of the road when those lights come on. Pull over to the side of the road. I've been pulled over on an interstate before, and there was not a big shoulder. And you know what I did? I pulled right over. Because if they do not want you there, if it's not safe for them, you know, to, you know, come up and get all your stuff and give you a ticket, whatever, they will tell you, be like, hey, keep it at this speed. I'm going to follow you to the next, you know, turnout. I'm going to follow you to, you know, the next exit. You know, we'll do it there. Something They'll tell you to move if, if you stopped in the wrong spot, if you stopped in an unsafe spot. And then after that, hey, man, it's dome light on, hands on the wheel, and do exactly what you're told. And so, you know, our oldest daughter just, you know, she started driving, and we told her the same thing. It's like, if you get pulled over by the police, do exactly what they tell you to do. And if it comes down to they violate your constitutional rights, not a problem, because we are about to get paid. Because I have zero problem taking anybody especially a police officer and elected official, you know, especially civil servants taking your ass to court all day long. I will spend some good money to take you to court because cities, cities pay out. Cities don't, man, they, they settle on a lot of that stuff. There are so many cases that never go to court because cities are like, shit, man, we can't get this in court. We're going to get, we're going to get punched in the throat. Here you go. Here's your payout. And that's it. If the cops violate your constitutional rights, not a problem. We're going to court, but you got to be alive to do that. And so you start resisting, you start, Hey, what are you doing? You know, you know, you, you, you start acting, you know, indignant. Okay. Well, you're going (laughs) to, you're going to ride the lightning. (laughs) And that was the other thing with this case. They, you know, they're saying the cops are racist, which I'd like to point out that the, uh, the cop in the video that was, uh, I want to say the main agitator, but he was the one that they're saying, you know, basically caused the situation. His last name is Gutierrez. So I don't, it's, I I, I thought only white people could be racist. That's what the left has been putting out. So I don't know if Roger, I don't know if you can be racist now or only like Hispanics can be racist. If we're starting with the Hispanics first for minorities being racist, I don't know. But anyway, so the cop is racist. It was like, his name's Gutierrez. I don't think that dude's racist, but okay. That's our default these days. Hey, he told you to get out of the car. Get out of the car. Do not start asking why. And then don't go reaching your hands back inside the car. After yeah. the police officer has already told you. And he's pointing a gun at you. Like, bro, like, I got my hands out. Like, hey, get out of the car. Be like, hey, man, I, you're going to, you open the door and I'll get out. I'm not moving my hands. I'm not breaching down in here to open the door. Like, you can open it, get your partner to open it, whatever. But I'm not moving my hands. 
right? Because I don't, the dude, I don't want to get shot. But yeah, it's compliance. Just comply. Do exactly what they tell you to do. If they'd be like, hey, I'm going to punch you in the face. Okay, well, punch me in the and face. And we do that even now, right? I mean, even now, it's like, hey, it is, I don't care where. Hey, my hand, like you said, hand on the steering wheel, dome light on, you know, license registration. Hey, sir, registration's in my glove compartment box over here. I'm going to reach over box. here. And, I'm going to reach yep, for it now. Absolutely. And, and when my son got his ticket last year, his first ticket, uh, it was kind of funny because... <laughs> You know, on the ticket, the the cop actually wrote. He was like extremely res- respectful. Said yes, sir, no, sir, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I teach my boy. And it's like Josh said, you, you, you hit on the head. We will have our day in court if your rights are violated, but you got to make it there. So l- let's make it there, and then we'll we'll take it from there. And you know, and it's funny because he's got a lot of friends out here that are minorities, and you know, he's like, oh, he gets pulled over all the time, and this and that. And dad, you're always defending the police officers, and and yada yada yada. And I'm like, look, here's the deal. If you're getting pulled over this many times, like, get the cop's badge number. Get his name. I'm like, because if they're pulling you over four or five times for no reason, I'm like, I have no issues going down to the police station and addressing this. I'm like, we will solve this problem. Well, no, I don't want to give I was like, well, now's your chance, right? You're either part of the problem, you're part of the solution. You're sitting here talking about how you think profiling exists and targeting, and they target us and this and that. Well, let's go solve that problem, because if not, then they're going to target somebody else, if what you're saying is true. But a lot of it goes back to, and, and Luke, you'd have to go back and pull the game tape on it, but you talked about the one episode with anecdotal evidence, right? Versus, you know, actual facts or, or what have you. Because here's the other thing. Go back and look. I just saw the video uh, today. Um, officer Darian Jarrett, 4 February, New Mexico police officer. Go pull the game tape on that. Uh, I just saw it today. It happened 4 February. Uh, Omar Cueva, right? So he's in a pickup truck. He's in New Mexico, pulls over. Pulls over on the right shoulder. Uh, officer walks around to the passenger side, rolls the window down, and you can hear the conversation. He's got a body cam and a dash cam. And and Luke, I don't. I, I'm assuming you've seen this by the nod of your head, but it, it sounds like it goes pretty well. I mean, it, it's everybody's kind of courteous, and you know, hey, here's my registration, and it looks like he doesn't have his license. So he's like, oh, let me. I left my license, and and some of this I'm deducing right or deducting whatever because based off the conversation that. Hey, it sounds like he's he's reached out to his girlfriend and she's going to take a picture because he probably forgot his wallet or whatever and she's going to send it to him on the phone and and the cops like you know this goes on for like a minute and a half and again no nobody's voice was raised no tone was raised or anything like that and uh, the cops finally like well I'll tell you what come on back with me to the squad car and uh, I'll go ahead and get your name we'll run it and then we'll just go from there and the guys like okay that happens for about thirty seconds well they get up uh, again police officers on the passenger side. Uh, Omar is on obviously the driver's side. So they're walking back on both sides of the truck. And once they get to the bed and you can see, and and I can't tell what kind of rifle it was, pulls over and just shoots him in the head. What? Four or five times. Normal traffic stop. Um, And I don't know the background of Omar. I'm my assumption is that he probably already had some felony charges on him and wasn't going back to, to the pen. So that was just his play because, you know, he probably had enough drug charges, gun charges, whatever, that he was going to go back for life. And he's like, Hey, I ain't going back. But that's a normal traffic stop. And so that's why I tell my kids and anybody else I talk to about it. It's like you have to, one, anytime you see this stuff on the news, you're totally missing the context and you're totally missing the operating environment that that police officer is operating in. You know, when they pull up, they're going to pull your license plate. They're going to see who it's registered to. They're going to find out, okay, what's the history there? Some domestic violence? Uh, Are there no tickets? Are there a bunch of tickets? What kind of charges are we looking at? Either way, the cop is going to be, you know, should have a heightened sense, right, uh, before they go up there. But that's going to, like Josh said, it's going to tell you, hey, if I've had to chase you down for a couple miles, okay, 
now I'm, I'm going to be super freakish about coming up to you. Why are we driving this far? Why'd you do this? You know, the actions that you took. With this case here, and I don't know how far they drove or whatever, but it looks pretty normal, but it looked like a normal traffic stop that, uh, you know, a guy gets shot in the face. And yet you hear nothing about it on the news. Nothing about it on the news, right? Doesn't matter if, if, you know, all cops are bad. Uh, Doesn't matter who it is. You shoot at a cop, it's fine. Nothing about it on the news. No no coverage on it. Which brings me to the Derek Chauvin trial. Any of you guys tracking any of that stuff? So it's... uh, I haven't listened to a whole lot of it. I'm pretty much just getting snippets. I'm getting some of it from Tim Pool, uh, Luke's boyfriend, um, and a couple other you know independent journalists and, and lawyers or whatever. But I, I agree with Tim in the fact that it looks like the media is setting this up. I mean, the media is the media is because one Donald Trump's not around. There you go. I, I dropped the Trump word first, uh, and so you need some coverage, right? You need some ratings. So I'll use his words because I think it's a very good analogy. He uses a boxing analogy and he goes, you have boxer A and boxer B and all you hear is, oh, boxer A lands a blow. Oh, boxer A lands another blow. Oh, boxer A hits boxer B in the head. And he goes on this thing. And then at the end of the match, I mean, you would expect, right, that boxer A wins because what he's telling you is factual. There's nothing in there that, that's, that's made up. What they don't tell you is that in between every blow that Boxer A was able to land, Boxer B landed four. And so you're not even getting half the story. And so from what I've been able to read and see and this and that, I mean, and again, who knows how this case turns out with Chauvin and this and that. It doesn't look like the prosecution is doing a very good job. And I, I, will, I will sum it up this way, and I, I haven't seen it in the last day or two. I think today was the first day of the defense. But last week when they brought up the, uh, the MPD training officer or whatever that was, you know, at the time would have been responsible for training uh, Chauvin and, and his class or whatever. The guy did so bad on the stand that the defense is like, we're going to call you as our witness when we're done. That is how bad we did. Okay, because I will tell you this. This is what he says. Did, they ask him, did he use excessive force? And right off the bat, he's like, yep, he, Chauvin used excessive force. Okay, well, later on uh, down the road, uh, they said, okay, looking at the situation, because what a lot of people didn't know, and I didn't know this, Chauvin was called twice to that incident. He was called the first time, and I don't know what the priorities are, but they were like, you know, it's a low priority. If you get a chance, swing by, check it out, whatever. So he, you know, all right, I'm on, I'm on something else more important. And then obviously as the Floyd incident escalates, they radio him back and say, hey, you need to get there now. It's priority one. Flips his lights on, whatever. So you can imagine how it is when he shows up there. So anyway, you, you delve down into it a little bit farther into the, in the questioning. They asked the guy, the same MPD training officer, well, did Chauvin have the right to tase Floyd at the time when he pulled up? And he's like, absolutely. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute now. You just said that he used too much force. But now you're telling me that he had every right to tase him, which is considered deadly force. And oh, by the way, who, who, who had it turned into deadly force? It was the ACLU in 2012. So throw that, throw that one out there for you. So now it actually looks like from, now this is the, the state's own witness. Oh, so Chauvin didn't escalate. He actually de-escalated. Like, wait, what? Well, no, you're, you're saying that he, he could have he tasered him he was within his rights to tase him, which is deadly force. And by choosing uh, to do whatever the, you know, the 
choke, knee on the back, neck, shoulder, whatever it was, that's actually less force than what he was authorized to use. Yes, you're right. And then to top it all off, <laughs> they asked the guy, they're like, so have you, <laughs> have you ever put a choke on somebody and had the ambulance call? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've done it and had guys pass out and they had to come out and revive the dude and whatever. The other interesting piece of this, and, and this is the, my major takeaways from this. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. And again, I, don't, I, I haven't followed it enough to say that he's guilty or not. But very interesting with the defense. You got to remember the amount of police officers that were there to respond to the George Floyd case. So I think it was three at the time. At least two that you see in, in the film, and I think there was a third one uh, on, on, in the area or whatever. But they act, the defense actually turns around and places the blame on the witnesses there, the bystanders, because they're like, hey, you know, with these people, because like one guy was an MMA fighter, and I'm going to kick you. I mean, you hear it in the video, right? I'm going to kick your ass, and you pussy, and this and that. And they're like, yeah, you don't let that guy up. You leave that guy on the ground and you maintain your position where you're at. Because what people fail to realize is that Chauvin was like 5'8", 140 pounds. George Floyd's like 6'3", 240. Okay? And they're like, hey, this is a hostile crowd. You're not letting Floyd back up. I don't care who it is. So then the defense kind of turns around and, and, you know, I don't know that they asked this specific question, but this is what I deduced from it was, so had the crowd not been there and been hostile, would George Floyd be alive right now? Probably, because had the crowd not been there threatening the police officers, they would, I assume, okay, and I could be wrong, but I assume they would have probably picked George Floyd up off the ground. That's my assumption, okay? Could be completely wrong, could be you know, 100% wrong, but just based off what the MPD officer was saying, the training officer, he's like, oh yeah, that's a hostile environment. There's no way you let that guy off the ground because you're worried he's going to kick your ass or everybody else can get involved and what have you. So anyway, back to the you know my original comment about it is, Josh, I think it looks like the media is setting this up for a ratings boost because they're only going to show one side of the story. So now everybody that reads just the two or three lines a day, hey, this guy, he's getting a chair, right? He's getting a chair. Well, I'll tell you, first of all, there's a reason why they brought in an additional charge. It was third degree. Uh, but from what I've heard, they may not even be able to get that. They may not even be able to get the third degree. Uh, so, you know, it feels to me like the media is kind of setting this thing up. And then let's say Chauvin's, uh, you know, acquitted. I mean, what happens then? I don't know. What do you think? Hey, dude, if Chauvin's acquitted, that Minneapolis, it's gotta, dude, it's got to burn. Like that city, and I would say last summer won't even remotely compare to what will happen across the U.S. if he's acquitted. Um, I haven't watched any of the trial. I I haven't you know kept track of it or or anything um, because again, all you see out there is just the you know like that. I, I did see you know a couple blurbs from. The uh, the training officer, you know, is like, oh yeah, he used excessive force and this, that, and the other. So I've I've pretty much ignored it. Uh, I don't. The second, so at first I thought he'd been charged with first degree, and I was like, dude, there's no way he's do first degree. Like they're overcharging him. But now it's so I look, I went back and looked at it. So it's second degree, third degree, and then like what the last one was like manslaughter or something. I. <sighs> The second degree, based on what you know, you said, Roger. I, I think that's that is probably a stretch. Uh, third degree, it's, yeah, that's that's a stretch too. The manslaughter, I think that's probably the best chance they have. Uh, 
but again, you know, based on that right there, who knows? The hard part's going to be finding it, that that impartial jury, especially after everything that you know that happened. I don't obviously, you know, I don't know the jury makeup uh, of how that would go. So, but I mean, hey man, it only it only takes one, right? Well, uh, to, to for the for the murder charges, first degree, second degree, third degree, you have to have intent. That's the thing, right? And that's yeah. that's what the prosecution cannot bring uh, to this point is intent. It's like Roger said, you know, he could he could have pulled out his taser, which the ACLU determined is deadly force back in 2012. So he didn't do that. So he did. I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing intent. Manslaughter, I can see, especially after the cardiologist. Uh, I think they test the cardiologist testified a couple days ago, yesterday or the day before, that said. <laughs> and we we could go back to COVID on this. The cardiologist said that uh, his tolerance to fentanyl was so high that even that dose in his body wouldn't have killed him. Well, it's like, I don't know how a cardiologist would know that, but okay. You know, so manslaughter, I could possibly see because of the, because of the cardiologist, uh, because of their their report. I could see that. But the, the first, second, whatever degree murder it's not going to stick it's just not unless the jury is somehow tainted whatever which i don't think they will be honestly i think that there there is a reasonable doubt for intent which means those first the 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 degrees of murder will not stick that that's that's my opinion i could be wrong on that but here's where i i'm not necessarily disagree with josh on this and i'll kick it back to him but i don't think it matters if Chauvin is, you know, guilty on all counts, if he's guilty on all counts, sure. Okay. There won't be a riot in uh, Minneapolis, but I'm telling you the current news cycle, the current, uh, atmosphere in this country right now, this country is going to burn this summer for one reason or another. We've seen it. We've seen it already. All these other reports coming out. I, I don't think the media is, personally, I don't think the media, there's some guy twists his mustache on, ah, let's let the world burn. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I just think that's the news cycle and the, the atmosphere of the, of the society and culture we're in right now is shit's going to burn. And we'll take it back to, you know, you cannot lock people up like this. You cannot let people or give people... I don't know. You can't uh, make them confused. You can't make the population, not just of the U.S., but of the world, confused and wondering, what's it going to be like next week? What's it going to be like the week after that without some kind of repercussions, especially in the U.S.? We may be all peas, Josh, in the U.S. We may be all peas, but we're high-octane peas. And the, this summer is going to show that. There's going to be riots. There's going to be all kinds of craziness going on this summer. So I know I pulled a Roger on you there, Josh. I know I pulled a Roger on you. I kicked it to you like like five minutes ago, and then I, I said a bunch of stuff. So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, Chauvin, let's say he's guilty, which he won't be, but let's say he is. Is everything just go back to normal then or what? No, there'll be, there'll be some other reason that the, you know, that, that the world's going, you know, the, the U.S. is going to burn. Uh, because remember, you still got the, uh, you still got the Richard Brooks trial uh, coming. 
right? So that was Atlanta, right? That was another taser issue when it was like, why did he have to shoot him? He just, all he did was shoot a taser at him. It's like, no, nah, man. ACLU said in 2012, taser is a deadly weapon. So he tried to use a deadly weapon on a police officer. Guess what happens when you do that? You get shot. That's what happens. It's crazy. Again, comply. Just comply. Don't don't get in a physical altercation and steal their taser and then shoot a taser at them. And then be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you got shot. It's like, I can't believe you didn't get shot sooner. Uh, but, no, it, it, it's going to burn, whether it's, you know, whether it's BLM, um, you know, I don't know if they're, you know, if they're, their founder, one of their founders is going to, you know, find time to get out of her, her multi-million dollar mansion uh, that she bought with all those donations. It's going to do it. Or, you know, you have Antifa in Portland that they barricaded the ICE building with, with ICE officers inside of it, and then they set fire to it. That, I don't know, I was told in January that was an insurrection when you, when you target government buildings. Uh, and vandalize them. I don't know what that's called, but it, I mean it's it's fine because Antifa is just an idea, according to Joe Biden. They're really not a, you know, they're really not a not a big deal. Okay. As far as the Chauvin thing goes, yeah, they're, they're going to find a reason. So, so even if they, you know, even if they convict him on manslaughter, they'll they'll burn the place down because he didn't get second and third degree murder convictions too. They, they, it's going to be a reason. Be, I mean, you know, for for the right kid. You're burning down your city, and you know you go back to that due process thing that Roger was talking about. You're burning down your city. You're a bunch of morons, is what you are, because you're burning down your city, and you have it. You, let the courts take its course. Let that let due process happen. Um, it's it's super ridiculous, the whole thing. But I mean, whatever. Okay, so Josh, Josh is being very, very calm right now, and I know there's a fire in his heart. So I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to reflect that fire a little bit because I, I'm, I'm worked up. I told you guys earlier, I'm worked up. I'm ready to go. There's a lot of stuff I'm very concerned about right now. Yeah, I think for for the loyal listeners out there, you know that after the events of uh, January 6th, we recorded an episode, and it was a long one. I mean, it was two hours, two and a half, and we got together after we recorded it, and we said, let's not put that out. Because our our uh, our mood was a little heated. And at the point, I'm not going to speak for Roger and Josh, but one of the reasons I was so heated after that was the politicians, the politicians' response to what happened on January 6th. We all sat there and watched the country burn. We watched small businesses get destroyed because of riots, because of COVID, all this stuff. No one, everyone in, in Washington, right and left, used that for political talking points, right and left. And they just sat there in their ivory towers and didn't say anything. Yet on January 6th, when the party came to them, right or wrong, I'm not, I'm not condoning the party, that came to them at all. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but when the party came to them, then they spoke up. Then they put a wall around the Capitol. Then they brought in how many ever thousands of troops to protect them while the entire country burned. Not the entire country. I'm, I'm speaking figuratively here. But small businesses were ruined. My dogs are like, my dogs are, are feeling my energy right now. I'm telling you, small businesses were burned. People's lives were affected. People lost a lot. And the politicians just used it for talking points. They used it for talking points. And that's what they're going to do again this summer. 
because the party's not coming to them in D.C. Oh, we, we've established that precedent. You don't do that. You do not do that. But when Minneapolis burns, when Chicago, Josh is always posting on Facebook, and he's right about how many kids are getting killed there every single night. L.A., wherever, name it, Atlanta. They're going to use it as talking points. They're not going to get off their asses and build, build a wall around whatever in Atlanta and Portland, Seattle, wherever. When the party comes to them, though, oh, they're going to act. But they're going to sit there and watch the country burn this summer. And that's what it, I, the, the whole country is not going to burn. I'm saying that people's livelihoods are going to be lost. People are going to be effective, affected. Lives are going to be lost. And the politicians are just going to talk about it because the party already came to them. That was kind of my thrust in the last, in the last, you know, the, the, the episode we decided not to release. It's just, it's so frustrating. No one's addressing the root causes here. And when no one's addressing the root causes and the media is just allowed to put out whatever they want for clickbait, this stuff's going to continue. This stuff's going to continue, and it's going to be the little guy who feels it, the little guy who's trying to start his or her business on Main Street or wherever. And they don't have them rooftop Koreans over there in Minneapolis, Roger, like they did in L.A. back in the 90s. You know, I, I'm sorry to go off like this, but I, I'm just really worked up because I'm very disappointed in our in our representation in Washington right now, across the board, across the board. I mean, I don't know, maybe Roger's got a different view. Uh, you know, I'm glad I got to vent a little bit tonight. Now I'll sleep a little they bit. They have now. a lot of Koreans in Minneapolis? I thought they actually did. Somebody gurgle that. You're not doing anything, Josh. While we're running the show, go ahead and gurgle that thing. I think they got a lot of Koreans. In. I thought they did. I haven't been up there in a while, but... You know, I thought they had a, a fairly decent population. No, you're right. It, th- there are serious issues that need to be dealt with, and and the reality is, the politicians are using the media and the events for their own political gain, and that's the problem. You know, it's like the gun control and everything else. You know, it's not about gun control. If it was about gun control and saving lives, it goes all the way to coronavirus and everything else. If it was really about saving lives, you'd stop with what's happening in Chicago every night. You know, that's the problem. It's not. It's about whatever story, whatever narrative I need to support to get me reelected. And and I am not, we've gone back and forth on this. One day we're actually going to have the episode on term limits um, because this is one of the, you know, this is one of the disadvantages to not having term limits is just becomes, you know, yeah, you may not have a king, you just have a ruling class. And, and their goal, the grueling class's goal, is to stay in power as long as possible, and they will say anything or do anything that fits their political narrative. And I would tell you, you are seeing this in Georgia right now with the Georgia voting law. And this is, that was a great transition, by the way. Thanks, Luke. You teed that Okay, there you go. You teed that off, man. Yeah. It, that is exactly what's going on right now in Georgia. And I'm so sick and tired of all these. Dude, they are woker than woke companies, right? All these woker than woke companies that get out there and they're boycotting Georgia and and I and I uh, the other day I read something about um, you know good old Willie Smith there that's uh, you know not filming his movie in Georgia because of the the laws and none of them have read it. Now I don't know about him specifically, but I know for a fact they talked to a lot of these CEOs of these companies, United, Delta, Coke, this and that at that time hadn't even read the new bill. So with this bill, 
there were 25 versions or so before, as as typical, right? Uh, believe it or not out there, they don't just write one bill and say, here you go, and you pass it. it. It goes back and forth, and there's negotiations and rewrites or whatever. So there were like 25 drafts on this thing uh, before they finally passed it. So they pass it, and all the information that these politicians are using, including Joe Biden, including Senator Warnock, including the shadow Governor Abrams, uh, is based off like literally draft one of the bill. And Warnock even admits to putting his name on an email spreading false information about the Georgia law, the Georgia voting law. So for the for the folks out there, and this is what pisses me off because it takes it into corporate America and, and it kind of, it fires me up with Luke because he gets into, well, private businesses can do whatever they want, da 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 and y'all just missed my whole point. Okay, sorry, Josh, I'll blame it on Josh. You know, private businesses private businesses can do whatever they want, you know, and all that other good stuff. So the flipping the script, you're totally (laughs) flipping the script. Just go along with it. You're fine. So with the new Georgia voting law, basically you get 17 days of early voting and it's, it's SB 202 election integrity act 2021. No excuse vote by mail. Absentee ballot, uh, it said 180 days. I think it's actually less so. Deadline for the issuance of absentee ballots at least 25 days before a federal primary, general election, or special election, 22 days before a municipal general election or primary. And that's based on the time it takes for them to receive the request, mail that out, you to vote, mail it back, make sure your vote's counted, right? Uh, the big one that I think everybody, well, no, I mean, I haven't even heard people bitch about this. You know, Georgia state driver's license number, ID card, date of birth, the last four digits, social security number, anything. Just an approved ID is what you need to vote. But I'm not even hearing people vote about that or bitch about that. They're bitching about early voting, which, by the way, the law expanded in-person early voting for the general election. Uh Optional voting on Sunday. So you have Saturday, optional voting on Sunday, 9 to 5, and can be extended to 7 to 7. So they actually expanded the hours and expanded the days uh, from where it's at right now. But the one that people are are making a big deal about, and you heard Joe Biden, President Biden, and you can't give water to somebody standing in line? Come on, man. They act like these people, they act like the American voters, and specifically minorities, have trekked across the Sahara for like 500 miles to get to a voting booth uh, to cast their vote. And that's not the case. I mean, people don't have a problem going to the liquor store. People don't have a problem going to the post office. People don't have a problem going to the groceries to get their groceries. I mean, we're mobile. We're a mobile society. We have ways of, of getting places, right? So they act like, you know, oh, man, you know, you just had to trek a 1,000 miles. You know, they probably have a polling place uh, within about two or three miles. But the actual water in line law, it's 150 feet, and it basically just says that, hey, a political candidate, political party cannot hand out the water. Okay, so one, guess what? You are actually able to bring your own water to the voting poll place, uh, and the elected officials or the poll officials there can actually hand out water, and they can also set up self-serve stations. They just don't want, you know, pandering from the political candidate who's on the ballot. Hey, you look hungry. Here's the Snickers bar, and it's got the candidate's name on the back, provided courtesy of, you know, Joe Schmo or whatever. You know, it makes it's election integrity. But when you actually go through and look at these laws, they expanded it from where it was. And this takes me back to, to where I'm going with this whole thing with the, you know, corporate woke, woker than woke uh, America. 
is that these corporations that are trying to boycott Georgia, well, first it was kind of funny because you had uh, the shadow governor, you know, oh, we need to boycott. And then Major League Baseball moved down. They're like, wait a minute, the majority of people that you're hurting here are minorities. Oh, wait a minute, we, we need to bring them all back, right? But here's what pisses me off about the private companies. And, and I don't, private companies are private companies. They do whatever they need to do. And, and the reality is, is this, none of these companies are woke. Okay, let's let's get real here. These companies are doing it because of how they feel it's going to impact their bottom line. At the end of the day, it's all about money. But here's where I have a problem. And this I'm going to wrap this all the way around back to Section 230 because <laughs> just for Luke. But my problem with all this is it's not just private companies being able to do what private companies want to do. What a lot of people don't realize is that these private companies receive exemptions and subsidies and other benefits from the government. That is my problem. If you truly want to make it a private company and, hey, you're relying on your bottom dollar, man, you do whatever your bottom dollar or bottom line says that you can do, right? You'll do whatever you want to do. But like you take Major League Baseball, do you realize, and I didn't know this at the time, Josh probably did being a big, uh, you know, communist sport follower, uh, they are exempt from antitrust, do you realize there's an antitrust exemption there? In 1922, the Supreme Court ruled that it's a sport, baseball specifically, is a sport and not a business. Oh, wow. Times have changed, right? That it's a sport and not a business. Now, you say, well, what's the big deal with that? It allows Major League Baseball to monopolize the sport in America. And it also impacts player contracts, franchise uh, franchise movements, media contracts, Okay. It's those additional protections that the government is affording them that prevents them from being a truly private company. As another, yeah, good, good call there. Sorry, Joe Dillon, not, not trying to poop all over you. Well, he's not, he's not part of the system, you know what I mean? Okay, he doesn't own a baseball team or anything like that. But uh, you look at like LeBron James, or I got LeBron James on my, I think he just bought like a baseball team or something, or brought in as a minority uh, shareholder. But look at like the NFL. Up until several years ago, do you know the NFL was a nonprofit organization? I think they're finally declared profit now. You know, I think it was like four or five years ago or whatever. But these organizations are getting all of these benefits and all of these government exemptions. That's my problem with it. It's like, hey, you really want to solve the, uh, you really want to solve the Facebook thing and the Twitter thing or whatever? Just remove the two thirty protections because that's the only way. That's the only reason they can operate they, the, the the way that they are. Because it's not truly a uh, uh, just a private company, you know, they can operate however they want. Well, yeah, if you're a private company operating however you want under government protection, heck yeah, you're going to abuse it. And they are abusing it. So I, I know I've gone on my rant there. I'll, I'll kick it to Josh to see if he's, uh, I don't know, how many Koreans are there in, in Minneapolis? Are a lot of Koreans there? Speechless. He is just speechless. Yep. And he is just still speechless because <laughs> he hasn't figured out that he's on mute. I'm an idiot. <laughs> So there's about, <laughs> or as Luke would say so from the from his his Chaz Chop visit, breathtaking, breathtaking, breathtaking. It's what my go-to is. Um, so there's sixteen thousand, approximately sixteen thousand Koreans in uh, in Minneapolis. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, the I, the population of Minneapolis is less than five hundred thousand, a little less. Uh, and what percentage so, of those are MAMs? I mean, you figure, you said you, there's 15,000, so there's got to be, what, 16. you got like 5,000 of them, then you got to hit like 5K. Yeah. And you know, they're probably, you know, they're probably concentrated, you know, into one, you know, ge- kind of geographic area in a city, yeah. Massage hey, parlors. You got rooftop Koreans. In you know. Them. Yeah, that's true. 
Where's uh, it's craft around? You gonna, <laughs> you gonna go visit one? Hey, yeah. Uh, the whole the whole Georgia voting thing was absolutely bananas, but you know Ricky Ricky Gervais, uh, you know at the uh, at the Oscar, he, he summed it up best. You know, you got these these, these woke companies like MLB, uh, you know Apple, and you name a company, right? So Delta, when Delta came out, and Delta's like, oh, we're protesting this. Georgia said not a problem. So the Georgia State Legislature went ahead and submitted legislation to remove some of Delta's Love taxes it. and stuff. Like done. Uh, so no, you can be woke. You're going to be woke, and uh, so. But you know, Ricky Gervais said it, man. He, you know, you have companies like Apple, and you know, Tim Cook sitting in there. It's like you have companies like Apple who go around and you know, virtue signal while their products are made by basically slave labor in China, you know, in sweatshops. So go ahead and tell us how woke you are, and, and this, that, and the other. You're not woke. You're not. It's just. It, it's the worst. But it's, it goes back to what Luke said. On about that, you know, just that the dude, the, the fabric of society is, is slowly crumbling. It is slowly crumbling. And, you know, the big thing, we could all, you know, as Americans, we all disagree politically. You know, we could say, well, I don't agree with this, I don't agree with that. But at the end of the day, we're all Americans. Why? Because we had those things that made us Americans. We had, you know, a national anthem, we had a flag that everybody respected. Everybody respected the military for the most part. And you don't see that these days. Those days are those days are gone. Those days are over, and the things that made us Americans are, are being attacked. And eventually, we're going to go back into our we're we're going to revert back to our tribes, and then it's going to be it's going to be Lord of the Flies. And that's just what it, it's going to be. It's woke. I, I said this a few episodes ago. Woke corporatist authoritarianism, and I think that we're I think that we're on the right track. And Roger has some really good points. Uh, you know, all three of us are uh, somewhat libertarian with a little L. Uh, we're not the li- libertarian party, but we're libertarian in our beliefs, I believe. But I think all three of us can sense something wrong going on with corporate America, and Roger uh, touched on it. And I'm still forming my views and opinions on this. And it's, you know, there's smoke everywhere, and you can kind of see hints of fire. But it's like, yeah, something's wrong. Something's wrong with the, uh, you know, the corporatist agenda within the government and you know this woke thing i don't understand it maybe they'll maybe they'll wake up one of these days and realize get woke go broke that's a real thing man i mean you know middle upper middle class karen living in the suburbs may think it's great to be woke and karen is a big contributor to the economy because her husband you know the emasculated chad is going to do whatever she says but that's who they're pandering to right now. Uh, the BLM lady, uh, we, we, we talked about her who just bought the, you know, a bunch of houses, you know, combined total $3.5 million. I mean, the fabric's breaking down on this on this woke stuff. And I, I mean, people aren't completely stupid. But something is wrong with the system. You know, we can talk about Section 230 and things like that. But when these corporations have so much control over what the public ingests day in and day out, and they have so much sway on what laws are written and whether or not you know certain sections of 230 are going to be rewritten or done away with, whatever. They have so much control over that. Something's wrong with the system. Okay. That I think that we're we're kind of scratching the surface of it, and we'll get into it later on in the podcast. But if you've been listening over the past year, you'll see that, you know, this is 
this podcast is actually pretty important uh, to people's thought processes. We, our thought processes, the three of us, uh, you know, it's constantly evolving because there's new information coming in, you know, science and all that stuff. I mean, not even science. I mean, Galileo, they executed him because he said that the, you know, earth wasn't the center of the universe. You know, I mean, science changes. It just does. So what's, what's taken as absolute fact these days, you know, with, with the input of new information, things change. So, I, you know, I hope that, you know, everyone who's been listening, you know, you've been following along and we'd love to see your input on Facebook and stuff. You know, we, we love that when people come in and they make their comments positive or negative, we really do value that. And you're part of the thought process. So we appreciate it, but let's kick it around. So Roger, I'm going to drop a big one on you right now. I'm going to drop a big one. So our, our boy Titus, he, he wrote a, a very interesting comment. We're going to scratch this one. We're just going to scratch. I said scratch the surface like 15 times this podcast. So take a shot. If you're listening to it, you know, listen to it again and take a shot every time I say scratch the surface. So Titus said something along the lines of, he asked a question of us. He said, you know, if, if you were influential politicians, you know, in a position of power, within the Congress or the House of Representatives, and you could propose a law that you were pretty sure could get through all the way, what law would it be? What would you change? Like, like what would you propose? Like, what would be your resolution that you think would have a pretty good chance of making it through? And we've had a few weeks to think about it, and that's a really good question. And, you know, honestly, it made me think it's outside the box a little bit. I know Roger's thought about it, and he probably has a pretty good answer, so I'm going to put him on the spot right here. So I'm going to have to yield my time to Josh because I actually got to go back to the post <laughs> because I had a really good answer. I just can't remember what it was, uh, what I think was a pretty good answer. So I'm going to have to go back to the post and look it up while I, well, I've while got I defer. Well, I'll kick it back to you. But before then, uh, this happened an hour ago. Um, Milwaukee, the Kenosha police officer who shot Jacob Blake in the back in August, touching off days of violent protests in the city, has returned to regular duty and won't face any administrative discipline. District Attorney Michael Gravely oh, announced shit. in January that uh, Rushkin, or Rustin Sheshke, uh would face criminal charges in August 23 incident, yada, yada, yada. On Tuesday, uh, Chief Daniel, uh, whatever his name is, issued a press release on Twitter saying that uh, he's always been clear to breaking any internal policies. That kind of that doesn't make sense the way they wrote that. But uh, he's been clear to breaking any internal policies and been back on duty after months of administrative leave. So basically, they looked at his actions and said, hey, that's in accordance with, uh, you know, our police department's policies. So now I'll kick it back to you as I go back and, and look at this uh, look at this post. OK, so Josh, Josh told us he is grossly un- unprepared. So I'll give him a little bit of time to think about it while I'm uh, re- while I wax philosophical on what I would do. So Josh and Roger and I offline have a lot of uh, spirited conversations about uh, different types of amendments. Section 230 is a big one. Uh, Second Amendment's another big one. I, I have changed my opinion on the Second Amendment and my stance on it, you know, multiple times because, you know, as Joe Biden said, no amendment is absolute. So, you know, I, I changed... <laughs> I changed my views on the Second Amendment. We do need to get into that one of these days. But I thought about what Titus said, and I'm like, being a libertarian small L, I'm like, well, any law that I would put forth probably wouldn't be a good one because the more laws, the worse off we are. The more regulation, the worse off we are. But I do have a lot of questions about 
you know, our founding documents and the supreme law of the land. And I, 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 I am not necessarily an originalist on the Constitution. I do think times change. I do think that everyone needs to agree on what the supreme law actually means. It's getting so diluted nowadays. So what would I do if I was an influential politician? And let's say uh, I'm on the federal level at this point. Let's say I'm in Congress. I would hope that, you know, in Titus's perfect, uh, perfect world, I would be, you know, the second coming of the most, you know, popular politician ever. You know, I had uh, support on both sides of the aisle. Everybody trusted me. I was, you know, uh, transparent, uh, you know, had the, had the credentials and everything. Here's what I would do. I'd go down to the state level on whatever state I represented, and I would reach out to other states as well, to people who trusted me. And I would convince them to have another Continental Congress so we could sort these things out, these questions we have about the Second Amendment, things like that. Let's have a convention of states. That's what I would do. Convention of states. So we can sort all these things out. And we can truly decide whether America is going down the toilet or not. We can stop kicking it down the road. Let's have a convention of states. Let's decide on which things we're going to do, which things we're not going to do. And when that's all over, then we'll decide whether America's going to stand or fall. Because if we do away with the Second Amendment, I'm gone. Because it's like Dave Chappelle said, the First Amendment is the most important one. The Second Amendment is there to make sure that we still have the First Amendment. That's all there is to it. So I would go with Convention of States. I know that's not a law, but that's what I would try to do. Josh, did you have enough time to think about it? Or do you want to just like maybe revisit this on another occasion? I'm gonna. I am. Uh, I've been found woefully unprepared. Uh. No, you know. I think we comment on Luke's <laughs> so first though. I, I mean, the convention so, of states is comment on that because yeah. that's really you don't have a convention of states. You have basically the Supreme Court that gets to choose, and I don't want to say arbitrarily, but I mean that's basically what they're doing now, right? They're they're interpreting law of the land. And, you know, should there maybe be outside of what you're just saying, because I don't disagree with it, but it's like, should there be some type of accountability or process with the Supreme Court on what cases they they do? Because to me, I don't think they're as transparent or maybe they are transparent. Maybe I just I haven't looked it up. But as far as what makes them take certain cases and, and what doesn't, because to me, it's like as the states, uh, let's say like with abortion or gun rights or this and that. Now, I know there are certain criteria for states or for the Constitution or the Supreme Court to take up a case, but, uh, and each state has their own law, like Texas, I think it's like, hey man, whatever the Texas Supreme Court says, hey, unless it violates the Constitution, this is the end all be all. Um, But there are a lot of those things that I think should be kicked up there that the Supreme Court has made the decision, we don't want to be political, so we're not going to give a response at all. And I know I just cut you off, Josh, sorry, but. No, no, it's fine. I tell you, all right, so here's, Here's one. Here, here, here's what I would do, Titus. We would have Luke's Convention of States, and we would get rid of the 17th Amendment. You would not elect your senators. You know, we could go down the rabbit. That's a good one, Josh, because we could go down the rabbit hole on that. Go. I mean, what's the solution then? What do you do instead? That's a good one, actually, in my opinion. So I... So I need some time. So I, so I need some time to think about this. But it it goes back to where your senators, your state legislature, 
dictates who your senators are because in the House of Representatives, you one one representative, one vote. In the Senate, the way it was intended, it was supposed to be one state, one vote. When they when they ratified the Seventeenth Amendment, well, now all the states, well, guess what? You lost. They lost so much power within the federal system that okay, well, basically the states, you're like a person, man. Go, you know what? Go get in line with everybody else. And that's not what the that's not the way the founders intended it. That it you you really really hamstrung the states with the Seventeenth Amendment. Um, you know, I, I think senators should be uh, they should be appointed by state legislatures, not elected. And yeah. And so if I yeah, hey man, it, guess what? At your convention of states, we're abolishing the Seventeenth Amendment. <laughs> well, you know, back. and the, the founding fathers Going also did not intend. Did absolutely not intend for someone like AOC, for example, or Dan Crenshaw. Let's just go both. Let's just go both ways. The House of Representatives represents the they, they're supposed to represent the people of their district. But you've got people like Dan Crenshaw and AOC who are representing like everyone on the national level. And it's like, what the hell is going on when AOC or, or Marjorie Taylor Greene, let's just take that one, for instance, is raising millions of dollars from people across the nation. This is what I'm saying. Something, is, something has gone wrong here. When the House of Representatives, who is representing a, a small district, AOC, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Dan Crenshaw, has so much say on the federal, federal level. On, they, they represent the people the senators represent the state, okay? I, I think that Josh's point is great, absolutely great. I think that's a good point. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, when you go back and you, you go back and you look at it, the original Constitution, right, it made the senators accountable to state legislatures, right? So senators were accountable to the states, not the voters. And, but people, because... And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Facebook would Facebook would put my account. They would ban my account for another 72 hours or 30 days, whatever. Because Americans are stupid. Take a shot, Titus. You asked for it, buddy. So here we go. Americans are stupid because Americans came back. And it's like, no, I should be able to elect my senators because that's a democratic process. The founders never intended us to be purely democratic. Anybody who anybody who passed fifth grade civics knows that, and they know why. Because it's protect from the tyranny of the majority. And so when you go back, you know, you look at the, the senators should be accountable to the state legislatures, not the people. You have your representative to be accountable to you. Right? Not your senators. But when they did that, it, it just it, it took the states as a as a sovereign entity, they removed their voice in the federal at the federal level. And it's just it's that that's one of the I think the biggest things. And you go back and empowering the states. That's the founders wanted strong state governments, less power at the federal level, because they knew what would happen. You look at the federal level; the federal government has immense power. And you know, other things. Titus, I'm going to take liberty. I'm taking two. I'm doing two things. All right. If I got all this power, I'm swinging. I'm swinging a big old Richard. I'm doing two things. We're abolishing the ATF, 
the Department of Education, and we're going to burn basically the entire Department of Justice to the ground, and we're starting over. Because that's what Jefferson would do. Jefferson would burn this entire thing. What about the, the AFT? He would be like, you do have we keep one. the AFT? <laughs> I, oh, I yeah. I, <laughs> Biden, baby. How's, how's Biden. that extremist, how's that DOD extremist training going for you, Josh? Is that going all right for you? <laughs> Hey man, I, took okay. <laughs> it. I took it. I learned about all the uh, all the sins of my whiteness, um, you know, and about how I just I, I didn't know it, but apparently, you know, I'm just I'm 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 racist and I'm an extremist because I think people should pay their own bills and uh, you know I should be left alone. Apparently, that's very extremist thinking and racist. Uh, but yeah, we're we're abolishing the Department of Justice. Jefferson would burn this whole thing down. He would be. He, you have one job, and you guys screwed it up. We're going to burn it to the ground, and we're going to start over again. That's just that's my opinion. But, yeah, to so those agencies, gone. No, that's a good – you know, them. I like them. I like your first one a lot because I think we all three had the same thought process because it's uh, just different ways of getting there, and mine's not very well thought out as far as all the details go, but uh, just broad overarching. Like, your common person can't vote. I mean, that, that's the problem with all these things. And you talk about term limits and this stuff because most people, I shouldn't say most, there is a large pool of folks that just don't understand how government works. They don't understand, uh, you know, how the economy works. They don't understand how budgets work. They don't understand how laws work and this and that. So anyway, it, it makes you want to do, like, I would have some type of, for lack of a better term, some type of civics test to be able to vote. Like, that's how these idiots continue. That's how AOC continue. Think about it. You sit here and you look at like your Pelosi's and you look at your AOC's and, and you say, man, and AOC, I get it. She's young, but she's going to be there for a long time. Right. And you look at these folks that have been there for decades and you say, you know, how, how, they, how, how have they been in Congress for, you know, 40 years, even like Joe Biden. Right. And you say, how they, because they have their group of people that just continue to vote for them over and over and over and over again. And half of them probably don't even know what the hell they're voting for. You're seeing it right now. You're seeing it right now with all these people that voted for President Biden. It's like, hey, guess what? Our mantra, right, for the next four years, you're getting, well, I'm sorry, 21 months, you're getting exactly what you voted for. And they don't, they're just, they don't, they're too dumb to realize, like, hey, this is how government works. You see it all the time. Right. You know, talking about the Electoral College and it doesn't matter whether it's taxes or anything. And, and I say that because if you have an educated voter, because I grew you know, during my years of growing up in, in elementary school, that was kind of one of the things that was taught to me was like, hey, you have a civic responsibility to be educated. OK, and with an educated voter, you don't need term limits. Okay, educated voter, an educated voter pool is going to put their right people up there. Now, this kind of ties into what Josh was saying, and that's a, that's a pretty good one, a little outside the box there with the whole senator election, because what they've done, what the government has done, is much like they're trying to do with the voting process, they're nationalizing or centralizing the power, right, the power of the vote. And that's where they're doing. So like you said, you know, your governors really don't have a whole lot of say. The states really don't have a whole lot of say because everything's kind of done at the national level, kind of like what they want to do uh, with the voting rights. And it really pisses me off because it takes me and it, it goes all the way down to like your taxes. I sit here and it pisses me off every day when, you know, Luke gets his third STEMI check 
and his fourth stimmy check that's getting ready to come out. You know, my kid's like, hey, dad, you know, where's my stimmy check? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're not getting a stimmy check or whatever. But then worse than that, we send the shit overseas. Now, I get it, force projection, and we got to send money over there, NGOs and this and that. But it's like, you know, you're sitting here trying to push these uh, COVID uh, relief bills. You know, you've got homeless vets here. We're sending billions of dollars overseas. That's our money. That is my money. That's your money. And what kills me is there aren't enough people out there that are pissed off about it enough to make a difference. And they're not pissed off about it enough because they don't see it as their money. I mean, the federal government is writing a check for whatever they want with your money. They're going to go ahead and raise your taxes up as high as they want to pay for whatever they want. I don't want to pay for the Green New Deal. You know, I don't want to pay for any more stimulus checks. You know, when my wife just got back from Vegas and she went to the, uh, they were out there shopping, trying to find something or whatever. And the Louis Vuitton store, she said, had a line around the block and they couldn't figure out why. And they're like, man, why is there a line around the block? You know why there was a line around the block? They all got their stimmy checks. Took their $1,400 in there and bought a Louis Vuitton purse. The money that's supposed to go to people uh, to help pay their rent to help pay their utilities, grocery bills, or whatever, just went out arbitrarily to, to folks under some, you know, hey, arbitrary line, here you go, you're below this line, you get the money that didn't really need it. But more importantly, it's like, that's our money they're giving away. Just like the infrastructure bill. This infrastructure bill, which we haven't even, you know, we haven't talked on that yet, what is that, like $2.1 trillion? $2.1 trillion, yeah. and they're saying that, like, hey, only, like, 30% of this actually... Uh, talks about infrastructure, or if, unless you're Gillibrand, healthcare, that's infrastructure, daycare, that's infrastructure, everybody's infrastructure, everything's infrastructure. But it's, uh, I know I've gone away from my point here, but it just goes back to, it's like, it's my money, <laughs> you know, it's our money, and I want folks to be judicious when they spend it, but it all goes back to your representation at the state level and to the, at, at the federal government level, level and how much does your vote really count? How much is your state really represented? And then the folks that are voting, are they educated enough to vote? Hey, guess what? In my house, when my kids were 13, they didn't make financial decisions for us. And my, my kids are, you know, my one kid's 18. He still doesn't make those decisions for us, right? So I don't know. I just, I, I think there's, and there's obviously a lot of details and I, I'm not even going to spend time to go into all the details or even, or even try to think them up because it'll never happen. Nobody will ever elect me and, you know, they'll never have to be a, a civics test or whatever, but there should be, so it's like a, a citizenship test, right? Hey, here's kind of like how the government works. You know, hey, here are three branches of government. Here's how a bill becomes a law. But anyway, that's, uh, I like your answer, Josh. It's pretty good. The when you look at the organizations, yeah, there you go. Thumbs up. When you look at the organizations, uh, dude, I tell you what, man. Do you guys see the video with the with the teacher speaking? Of, I think she's out of California, uh, talking about well, if your parents want to talk about how I do my job, and you know, I dare them to come bring it, dude. I'm t- I've said it before. They have set back the reputation of teachers twenty years, twenty five years, thirty wow. years. It's been a rough go, man. It's been a rough go this past year uh, for teachers. I mean, I, I, you know, as you guys know, we've we've talked about this before. I, a lot of my family, immediate family, uh, are teachers, nieces, uh, sister, brother-in-law, and they're the good ones. And uh, you know, <laughs> these teachers, yeah, it, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough year because I know there's good ones out there, but. Roger being the feudalist he is advertising to the audience, um, 
how much I make a year by telling everybody that I'm getting a stimmy. <laughs> That's nice of you, Roger. How much? I, you know what? I, 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 no, to, to let our it. listeners know, the eternal feudalist. <laughs> to, to let our listeners know, I don't know if they're getting stimulus checks or not. We're just throwing out there. I just know a lot of people uh, are, and a lot of people are getting stimulus checks that don't need the stimulus checks, and that's my point. <laughs> Well, and I'm one of those, and I'm one of those. I'll tell you right now, uh, I, 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 I don't need need it. It's nice to have, of course. It's nice to have, but that money doesn't go toward paying bills. It goes toward my retirement. That's well, no, it, it went to, to buy your new Turtle Beach headsets that we play Warzone with now. That's, well, I'm that's sure what my tax that, dollars yeah, went to. It helps. Thanks, it helps. appreciate that. <laughs> you know, we we have God. Let's take it around the horn. I mean, we got so much to talk about this. You know, I'll, I'll address one point Roger made uh, as far as the infrastructure bill. When politicians start, any politician starts talking about crumbling infrastructure, I immediately get suspicious because I'm like, what in the hell does that actually mean, a crumbling infrastructure? Maybe we'll talk about that one on the next on the next show. It's just, it's unbelievable. So let's kick it around the horn. Josh, what do you got? So the other day in... Uh I think it was in one of the bourbon groups that uh, that I'm in on the on the book of faces. A guy posted that he had a little American flag and a glass of uh, I think it was a glass. It might have been Blanton's or Buffalo Trace or something. And he's you know from the Middle East. He was like just passed my citizenship yep. test today. I'm now an American citizen. I posted so I screenshot it. I posted it on my page, and uh, like I love to see that. I love to see people immigrating here and, you know, assimilating, you know, and becoming Americans. And uh, I posted on my page, but one of the things I posted, in, you know, on his on his post in that group, I was like, you know, congratulations, welcome. We're, you know, so glad to have you, you know, as, as a fellow American. And I, but I, I further asked, I said, do me one favor. Every person that you meet that was born here in the United States, remind them of how fortunate they are that they live here. And that they're Americans. And he was like, yeah, he was like, this is the greatest country in the world. He's like, I've been to so many different countries as a refugee, as this, that, and the other, you know, and he was like, this is the greatest country in the world. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And I was just like, dude, spread that message loud and far. So for our listeners out there, do us a favor, spread that message loud and far. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll kick it over to Roger. With hey, you. you need to tag him in this, uh, this episode. <laughs> Maybe we get one more listener. So we can say we have three listeners out there or whatever. Uh, You know what? Not just one thing, two quick things. We didn't even talk about the Kamala Harris uh, border visit, the one that she didn't go to, because isn't she like the border czar now or whatever? Well, the last border czar was fired. She's the one that's supposed to be responsible for the – it's not a crisis. It's the challenge. Um, You know, it seems like everything Trump did that was evil – they're now having to go back to because guess what we might be finishing that wall after all dude i can't believe that all the crap they gave him over the wall right all the crap they give him now they come back and they're like uh mayorkas like yeah we might actually have to fill some of those gaps and how do you think you fill those gaps you fill those gaps with walls folks that's how it's done and you know how many folks on the left have come back and said i can't believe you. I mean, it's inhumane Crickets, zero. Well, maybe because I don't have too many left friends on my Facebook account anymore. Same thing with the cages. You know, they're not cages anymore, right? I think it's Greg Gutfeld. They're detention facilities, and next time they'll be chews, and they'll be, you know, whatever. It's like everything that he he did that was working, 
they crapped all over it because he was a racist and a xenophobe and this and that. And now they're actually having to go back to those policies because guess what? They kind of worked. And the other thing, dude, I tell you what, we, we could do another whole other episode in the media. When you look at what's going on with 60 Minutes and the whole public's vaccination and uh, what's his face down in uh, in Florida? You know, we'll do a we'll do a, another coverage on this in the next episode. But take a look at that stuff. Go gurgle that stuff because it's that is the mainstream media. Like there is no attempt at any objectivity or being honest. They have a narrative they want to fill, and you can take this all the way back to Dan Rather, man. They've got a narrative they want to fill, and they are going to cut, paste, and edit and show you what they want you to see. So I'll leave it with that loop. Well, I'll tell you what, you're, you know, we'll, we'll touch on that in the next episode, but man, COVID is not over. That's absolutely, I'm, I'm seeing that at least over where I am, COVID is not over. And to address another one of Roger's points, there are rumblings that, you know, I'm seeing in the news and other sources that the Biden administration is having a hard time right now. Uh, the border wall is one of those things. It's having a hard time right now, acknowledging that some of the stuff in the Trump administration was done correctly. And they're, they're having a hard time messaging that. Uh, not just with the border wall, but across the board. A lot of things were done correctly, but they cannot acknowledge that. So that, that's that's tough for them. You know, with Kamala Harris, I'll tell you what, man. I just wish that Josh and Roger would laugh at my jokes the way Kamala <sighs> Harris laughs when she doesn't have an answer that to the question. You know? I mean, oh, God. Wow, what a warm feeling that is. You know, it's, it's been a good episode. Hang on for your freemium content. I think Carlton Zeus, he actually did catch up a couple weeks ago. Uh, he listened to like five episodes in one day. He's all caught up. So he does listen. I think he, he might be an immigrant. Carlton, why don't you give us a shout out and tell us if you're an immigrant. And if you are, <laughs> go around and tell everybody how proud you are. I'm messing with Carlton Zeus. He's not. He's a whatever. He, he Air Force vet. He's a good dude. We appreciate y'all listening. Hang on for your freemium content. Until next time, keep your canteen cups full and tightly secured.